Now's a good time to remember where the story of tequila started. In 1795, the first tequila distillery was opened by the Cuervo family. And 229 years later, Cuervo is still going strong. Family owned from the start. Same family, same land. Now's a good time to enjoy Cuervo, the tequila that invented tequila. Go to Cuervo.com to shop tequila or visit a store near you. Cuervo, now's a good time. Trademarks owned by Beckless AB to CV 2024, Proximo, Jersey City, New Jersey. Please drink responsibly. San Antonio District Judge resigns after a federal corruption probe. A former San Antonio, Texas judge goes to federal prison after pleading guilty to accepting bribes in exchange for rigging cases in his court. Angus McGinty committed the ultimate judicial sin. Why did you do it? I did it because I was foolish. Listen to How to Bribe a Judge on RevolverPodcast.com, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. The John Anik and Kenny Florian Podcast. Jesus, what's up, guys? John Anik, Kenny Florian. Oh, my God! You want a podcast? Great. So you have some audio on your website that nobody goes to. Here are your hosts, John Anik and Kenny Florian. I never know how I'm, <clears throat> I never know how I'm going to start the show. Probably the first time my throat's been clogged, but uh, <laughs> we just were not speeding on the Florian family hour. And if TJ was rolling, we would have had some really good content off the top. Instead, you get me choking. <laughs> it's episode two twenty six, I think. Anakin Florian podcast, Monday, November twenty five, two thousand nineteen. Ken Flo does not know it's TJ DeSantis's thirty sixth birthday today. What? First of all, how is he that much younger than all of us? Isn't that crazy? He's still a kid. Yeah, he's talk, a kid. TJ, you're talking like 1985? Three. All right. Happy birthday, dude. Thank you. I appreciate it. Yeah, awesome. So TJ's working the birthday. Yeah, you made it. You yeah. Made it. That's good. <laughs> so on the video side, I got my KenFlow original One More Round t-shirt today. It was a little dusty when we shook it off out of the closet. <laughs> One more round. says Ken Flo on the back. I don't know that I'm going to do the whole full spin here on video, but, uh, you know, we're trying to represent. I'm glad this was the day your wife walked in so she could see, you know, just how, how, how deep the loyalty <laughs> runs when it comes to the captain of, of Team Florian, you know? I appreciate that. The only question I have, is it dusty because you've been, like, you know, using it to, to, to dust up around the house? Is it, is it a rag? Is that what we're talking about? Or I what? actually have it in a glass frame <laughs> in my living room, <laughs> yeah. and I just had to take it out. Yeah, we'll put it back in. Yeah. <laughs> sure you do. Sure you do. <laughs> so uh, it's very rare, and we've talked about this on the show before, that the UFC gives you an opportunity to breathe and sort of reset. And honestly, for a podcast like ours that is heavy on a recap and a preview and predictions, to talk about whatever the hell we want, right? I mean, part of me, right, the, the weirdo in me just wants to sit here and say, like, fuck, fuck, fuck. You know, I'm not going to do that today. <laughs> but there was a, a big title fight announced since we were last on the air so we're going to talk about that still no official word on conor mcgregor's impending return if it's january 18th in las vegas or not um time permitting get to some some possible opponents for conor mcgregor and if you were the matchmaker what fight you would try to put together um floyd mayweather and dana white hanging out as well so we'll, we'll try to get into that uh gregor gillespie is going to join us here in about 15 minutes as well um but off the top kenny february 8th we know will be a pay-per-view we know it'll be houston texas and we now know that the headline 
headlining fight will be John Jones and the undefeated Dominic Reyes. This has happened exactly on the timeline that Dom Reyes thought it would. You know, 2020 title fight, 2017 UFC debut. Uh, he's had some good challenges to get to this point. Um, not long on championship or five-round experience. But uh, your thoughts on Reyes Jones without a betting line and, and how competitive a light heavyweight title fight that's going to be here in three months. I, I wouldn't mind to see Dominic Reyes get one more fight before this one against John Jones. Um, I think anytime you're you're facing one of the all-time greats, if not the all-time great, uh, the more experienced, the better. However, at this stage of the game, uh, going undefeated, uh, winning impressively uh, and consistently, I, I think you know it's still going to be a very, very good fight. Uh, again, that last knockout that uh, Ray's hit, I, I think it's rare that you can get a 205-pounder that can uh, crack like that and especially do that going backwards with that kind of fainting, with that kind of looseness, with that kind of comfort uh, and ease. Uh, on the feet, and I think uh, Reyes is one of the few guys who can match the physical abilities, right. lengthwise, uh, height-wise, that John Jones has. Today's Ray Longo Minute brought to you by OddsShark.com. OddsShark, your source for the latest odds from leading authorities, expert editorial content, and detailed matchup picks with expert in-depth analysis for each game. Their free statistics, numbers, and trends will help you make the sharp picks on game day. Head over to OddsShark and start playing like a shark today. OddsShark.com. Don't forget that second S. The great Ray Longo now joins us. Must be nice to have that segment sponsored, right? I mean, the funds oh, just keep pouring in to Garden City. I feel like a very important man right now, John. Thank you. So, uh, so a big weekend. I always hesitate to pronounce Dennis Bazooka or Bazooka's last name. But what a huge knockout for, for one of your guy. Uh, for the listeners that don't know and didn't maybe see the spinning back fist, I thought it was spinning back elbow. Uh, tell us about the highlight over the weekend, my man. Oh, yeah, no, unbelievable. He had a great uh, great performance. Bazooka's one of the up-and-comers. Uh, and, uh, man, I thought, he, you know, the whole fight, I thought he, uh, he, sh- he corrected a couple of things in his game that I think uh, are really going to help him for the future. But that was a... Uh, that was a great fight for him. He had great sparring, and uh, I think he's going to learn a lot. I think he did tighten up a couple of little things, but those little things pay big dividends in the future. And I think uh, I really I got a good feel for him that fight. And the, obviously the spin, I think it was an elbow, but the spin elbow was, was perfect. Vicious. And it was as pretty as it's going to get. And that was it. Yeah, that was that was picture perfect. It really was, right? I don't know yeah, if he was intending to to land with the fist. It looked to me like he was intending to throw the elbow. And uh, when it's clean, it it's clean. Been. Yeah, it could have been. I didn't really. I, I'm honestly, I, uh, I saw it that night. And we were just so excited. I never even went back. Whatever I saw on Instagram, but uh, you know, we had a night of heavy drinking, so I'm not really sure what I was. Oh. <laughs> It was a good. It was a good time. Everybody was happy. The team did good. We had one loss, but I think you know Charlie Campbell bounced back from that. It was just more of a lay and pray. And then we had Ryan Patrovich. He had first time he fought in five years. I thought he looked great. Great ground and pound. His wrestling was on point. Uh, he's only going to get better and better. And Bazooka, I think, just stole the show, man. Just pretty, pretty technique. And even before that, everything was on point. He was. I think he was in the zone for that fight, and I hope that's where he stays. 
So Ray Longo sits down at an empty bar. What, what do you order? I'm a, I'm, a, I'm a vodka drinker at this stage of the game. That's my yeah. go-to. Tito's okay, sir. Or would you like something a little bit, a little bit uh, more expensive? <laughs> yeah, I tell you, by the, by the end of the night, I probably would have taken a glass of rubbing alcohol. <laughs> yeah, right. It depends yeah. who's buying. That's what it depends on. Yeah, yeah, exactly, yeah. Kenny. Uh, the guy could have told me there's a there's a gray goose uh, with a twist of lime, sir, and I would have. <laughs> it was toilet water. If it was toilet water, I would have said this is really good stuff. <laughs> All right, well, the, the Anakin Florian podcast that's the is type of send night you, <laughs> we're going to send you a plastic handle of Popov vodka. You ever heard of the Russian vodka, oh, Popov? No? Let me tell you okay. something, man. That Popov, I, that I remember well, man. I used to come in a plastic bottle. That's how good yeah. that vodka was. Right, exactly <laughs> yeah. right. Yeah. A plastic well, they, jug. They, I, think a, I think like a gallon was like $4.20. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I think I think it was either that or Smirnoff was the first. So the first drink I ever had was was pop off vodka and fruit punch Gatorade together. Quite good, uh, actually. You know, yeah, Smirnoff was considered decent back then. The pop off was forget yeah. about it. That was right. I yeah. saw a guy make that once, and he was wringing out his underwear for the last uh, <laughs> liter of that. That's it was horrible. That is good. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, so when a John Jones fight gets announced. That's big news to me, and Dominic Reyes is going to be the guy you guys just prepared for him. And most people would say, and I agree with this line of thinking, that you finish a guy like Chris Weidman, uh, you are are certainly deserving of a championship opportunity. I think he's worthy of the title fight. I think it's coming at a pretty good time in his career. Maybe I'd like a year or so more of seasoning, but uh, how competitive do you think Dominic Reyes is, you know, in three months' time against Johnny Bones? Ray? Uh, looking. Right, look, here's the deal I feel with, with John Jones. A super talented guy, obviously. I mean, I, and I, I'm going to hold to this. The only guy that could beat John Jones is John Jones. So if he's on point, he's, that fight will probably be easy for him. But Kenny brings up a lot of good points. He really, punching going backwards isn't easy to get that much steam on it. And Reyes, you know, his knockout over Chris was, was phenomenal. And obviously he could get, I, I say it that way, he could get anybody out. But, you know, listen, John Jones is, he's fought the best of the best. I'm not sure where Reyes fits into that picture, but he is young. He is confident. And I think that's really what makes him more dangerous is that he's got nothing to lose and he can hit. So, you know, I, you never know. I mean, you know, Houston, Texas treated us pretty good as the underdog. So yeah, there could be something in the air in Houston, but he definitely has the ability to finish the fight. But, uh, I don't know. Jones, Jones is really good, and if he employ, you know, if he he gets on top or he starts to impose his wrestling, he's a big dude. It's a, that that'll be a rough night. They have a lot of preparing to do. Ray, you know, um, John Jones's last fight against Thiago Santos. You know, I, some people may have been critical of John Jones's performance. Do you do you think that John Jones uh, has lost a step, or, or do you think it was just kind of a a tough matchup that night? At this point, the way things are going with him, he could just be bored. He's not really getting challenged. Uh, right. Uh, I, I don't know. Uh, you know, like, again, he's not he's, – I don't feel like – I could be wrong on this. I don't feel like he's fighting frequently. But uh, he's got to – He's got to. I think he has to be worried not to get complacent and really think he could just roll through everybody. And who knows? He might have taken Santos lightly. Uh, but – we know he's a super talented dude, so uh, I don't know. 
uh, you know, I don't know. I don't know if he's lost a step, but he might have lost a, a mental step in like preparation and being hungry. I could see that happening before the other thing. I think he's physically gifted. So I don't know. Uh, that's a good question. And, and and where do you have Jones in the goat conversation? Do you have him as number one? Uh, yeah, he's right up there. You know, I, I you know I think when you look at a guy like. Uh, even like a Demetrius Johnson, it just seems like he did everything flawlessly, like you know, and or seamlessly. You know, he went from the boxing to the takedowns, the submissions. Uh, so I, I think, and he's fought some really good guys. Yeah, Jones is up there. Yeah, sure, he's he's got to be. You know, you know, he's got wins over uh, DC, who I think is a phenomenal fighter. Uh, the Gustafsson fight was great. I mean, he's, he's basically cleared out the whole division. So yeah, you got to put him up there. Uh, and, Ray, the most important question I'm going to ask you is the heat back on at the gym at Ray Longo. What, what, oh, man. It, you know, sounds thank, like it. Thank God they turned it on when uh, when uh, we were in Atlantic City. Holy crap. I don't even want to get into that. But yeah. basically I froze my ass off last week, the whole week. Nobody even wanted to close the gym. Everybody wanted to still train. So Wow. It was I like heard a, the heavy bags actually, were uh, like icicles. Well, let me tell you something, Ken. Uh, it was like a scene out of Rocky Four. <laughs> When the guys in Russia are in the snow, it was Man. it was bad. It was not. It was definitely not good. Man. Gosh, it's like I'm raising my girls in Florida. They walk outside when it's 59 yesterday and sunny. Right. They're like it's cold, Daddy. You know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. <clears throat> yeah, they would. So uh, they, they would. They would have liked the gym. I could tell you that. <laughs> So uh, last thing from me on this whole John Jones thing, and with respect to his schedule, he has been more active, Ray, th than maybe you think of late. I feel like in the Tiago Santos fight, so much was made of Maheta's leg and not enough was made of the fact that John's leg was compromised. I, You know, some people are suggesting that his killer instinct is gone and that the mean streak, the nastiness isn't there. And I don't know that that guy will ever cease to exist. I think that guy's always there. I think that Tiago beat him up pretty good, and he was a one-legged fighter, too, and, and it, it compromised his output, you know? So, yeah, yeah, definitely. No, 100%. Look, that fight, you know, like it, I, it probably could have won either way or whatever they were saying, but uh, I, I don't know. I mean, he's, he, he's really good. Even in that state, like he was never really seriously. We've never seen him in any serious trouble. You know what I mean? Where he's rocked and he's got to come back, or you know, come on, the guy had his toe sticking out. He's still fought oh. that. I mean, you know, the guy, the guy's proven himself. You know, so I really feel like he's just not getting challenged. I mean, even look, that Gustafsson fight was was close. The first one, I would have probably even maybe given it to Gustafsson, but you know, either way, who cares? But that yeah. second fight, he made a statement, man. He made. Oh, I, yeah. I think that's... See, I think that's what he needed to shut everybody up and say, all right, you think the first fight was close? And it was. And I think he went out and did what he had to do. And I think that's the thing. And I think if he fought Tiago Santos again, I think you would see the same thing. I think that would motivate him enough. You know, I think he needs that, that doubt from everybody. And it looks like he, you know, he, he, he relishes in being the bad guy kind of. And that's what, that, that I think motivates him more than anything at this point. You know, is to prove yeah. the critics wrong. So I yeah. say he fights Santos again. That's a totally different fight. Ray Longo proving the critics wrong for quarter century now. My man, Ray, appreciate the time as always. Anything else before we let you fly, my man? Uh, 
You wish TJ a happy birthday. Did you do that for us? Wait, who who is whose birthday? Ah, uh, the producer of the show, TJ yeah, DeSantis. You heard of him? He's like, oh, I heard of him. Oh, I'm gonna have to do that after we get off the phone. <laughs> I know he's got I a pretty you. quick trigger, so we'll let you guys go have that moment, okay? <laughs> he's gonna sing to right, me guys. and record it on his phone. It's gonna be brilliant. Yes. Yeah. Do it. TJ, yeah. TJ, happy maybe. Birthday, buddy. Thanks, Ray. Yeah. All right. so maybe you can cut that up if I didn't talk over it. TJ, maybe you can get Bruce Buffer to record something for you, by the way. You guys are pretty tight, right? Oh, I, I mean, unlimited. Unlimited recordings from Buffer. Yeah. All right. <laughs> All right, Ray, happy you birthday, TJ. You're going to get sued for that, Ray. <laughs> I probably will. Is this, yeah. is this lawyer going to be contacting me? Oh, always. <laughs> Holy he patented happy, birthday. He happy <laughs> birthday. Yeah. See ya. See ya, Ray. <laughs> You'll be talking to his lawyer in no time. Yeah. <laughs> he patented happy birthday. Yeah. He did. He's Thankfully, done. Ray did not drop an it's time on us. Uh, so the Jones-Reyes fight has been made. We don't know what is next for Israel Adesanya. I feel pretty confident in saying he wants to keep an active schedule, and there are a couple different options. Uh, if you're the matchmaker, I know there are injuries, and Bohashinia, Paulo Costa has some things he's dealing with, but... Uh, Big picture. I mean, what are you doing with this guy who seems to just be gold? Everything you put together with him right now, man. You know, uh, with, with Izzy, uh, I think he really has the potential to become a huge, huge star. Uh, already is, obviously, but uh, definitely he can. I believe he can definitely reach. You know, uh, Conor McGregor levels uh, if he plays everything perfectly um, and continues to entertain like he is. Um, it's a tough one. Obviously, we have Cannoneer, who's on an excellent win streak right now. But if I'm Israel Adesanya, to me, that's not a fight that makes a whole lot of sense. I want to make the biggest fight possible. I know he was talking about Yo Romero, and I know Romero's coming off a loss, obviously, to Costa. That was controversial. Some people believe that Romero won that fight. Right. Uh, I actually did think that Costa uh, should have gotten the nod, but it was certainly close. Uh, but I do think uh, Romero, a win over a Yoel Romero, uh, a silver medalist uh, in the Olympics and everything that, that guy's accomplished in the wrestling world and in the mixed martial arts world, I think would be very, very impressive and would say a lot about his ability to stop takedowns if he could get the win. So yeah. um, I, I think that's a fight that would be exciting. I think that's a fight that would bring in uh, a lot of viewers. Uh, that gets me hyped. That fight is very intriguing between Romero and Adesanya. Uh, we'll see if they they put it together. And even more importantly, it seems to get Adesanya hyped, which should matter a yeah. lot, right? You'd think if anybody would be able to call their shot right now and, and put a fight together, it would be uh, the last style bender. All right, now with us on the guest line, way too much New York on the program today, Ken Flo, by the <laughs> way. Uh, but this is a good man right here, certainly one of my favorite people in MMA, the t number 12th. Ranked lightweight in the UFC, former four-time All-American, 2007 national champion, representing the famed Edinburgh University, the best fisherman in mixed martial arts. Gregor Gillespie is now with us live. Gregor, good to talk to you, my man. How you doing today? You on the what, water? Where are you? What's going on, guys? I'm actually out on the boat right now. What did you expect? I'm <laughs> telling you. What a savage. So I, so when do you winterize these things? Is that the right verb, winterize? Is that good? Yeah, winterize. All right. So when you winterize a boat, essentially you take out the fluids from the motor so they don't freeze in the motor and break the block, um, and you cover it up with shrink wrap. So we actually have a place that we store it, so we just drain the fluids. We don't have to... Uh, we don't have to shrink wrap or anything. My buddy Chris Oaks lets us put it in one of his barns, and uh, away it goes for the winter. But... We won't do that until there's a risk of the of it freezing. Yeah, of course not. Yeah. 
So, uh, so as most of our listeners know, 24 days ago, your your undefeated pay per view debut, 13 and 0, UFC 244. You suffer your first career loss to Kevin Lee. What are your thoughts now, a couple weeks removed, on those two minutes and 47 seconds? Um, you know, my thoughts are relatively the same. Um, you know, obviously, I was pretty emotional about it when it first happened. When I kind of came to and realized what had happened, um, you know, I haven't experienced a loss since wrestling, which would have been, I guess, 2011. That's a long time ago. Um, 13 wins is a good amount. And, uh, again, you know, it's been years since I've suffered a loss. So, I, you know, obviously, in the back of your mind, when you are a fighter and you're getting into the, the higher levels of the opponents, you know, you always wonder, you know, what if I do lose? And that, that's not self-doubt. That's just being realistic. You know, anything could happen against um, any fighter at any time. And, you know, when, when you get to that level, you got to kind of say, man, what would, I, what would happen? How would I react? What would I be like if, you know, if I did lose? And you kind of question, you know, but it's been so many years since I've lost that I think I, I imagined myself being a little more mature about it. And that's actually what happened. Um, you know, obviously, yeah. it's devastating. Um, real, you know, obviously, I'm sad and upset and all those normal feelings that you would be when you lose. But, um you know, I, I didn't have any regrets as far as how I approached the fight, how I trained for the fight, how I prepared, anything leading up to it. I think we did everything perfect and everything normal, and it's just one of those things that, uh, you know, I was fighting a really good opponent, and he did some, you know, obviously some perfect things, and that's the result. Uh, Gregor, is there anything that you would change, knowing what you know and how the fight went, uh, of how you would approach someone like Kevin Lee? Sure. So, you know, that's something that me and my coaches and my friends and teammates have really discussed in depth. And, you know, obviously you get online right after and you see all these people saying, you're the best wrestler in the division or whatever, you know, like, why aren't you using your wrestling, blah, blah, blah. And, like, of course, when you look back, if you know the result of something, it's super easy to say, I should have done this, I should have done that. Even if you'd won, you could look back and say, well, I should have done this because right. this was a little harder than it should have been. Um, so, you know, I was... Uh, uh, you know, looking back, and we were talking to my coaches, and we were talking, you know, my teammates, and what I have probably wrestled. Maybe I would have forced a little more wrestling action in the beginning, but it was really tough to. First of all, Kevin Lee's is a super, uh, super good grappler, wrestler, whatever you want to call it. Uh, so that's not like a, a foreign area to him. And also, his stance was so low, and he was obviously waiting for the takedown. He'd been, you know, coached really well as far as that was concerned. And it wasn't the right time for him. If there's someone that knows when the right time to shoot is, it's me. So anyone that tells me after the uh. fact that I should have shot more, I should have wrestled more, when they know the result is absolutely out of their mind. That's something that's easy to say looking back when you know the result. However, what if this? So I like to say, you know, what if these situations? So what if I would have shot? You know, and I, in, in my opinion, I was winning the exchanges. I think I did some damage. Um, the striking, it was obviously fairly even, but I, I thought I was winning slightly. Um, but what if I had taken a shot at that point when he was low and he I ate a knee and got knocked out that way? Then everyone would have said, you were winning the exchanges. Your striking looked good. Why did you go for the shot? He was waiting for it, right? But... Then when they see that I got beat in the stand-up, it's so easy for them to say, you should have wrestled, right? But, you know, that's something that I, I try not to, you know, let bother me just because it's hindsight, you know, that cliche saying it's 2020. But that, that's so easy when you know the result. 
Gregor, everybody knows that social media knows better than a professional fighter. Okay, <laughs> it's it's that simple. Yeah. Hey, listen, man. Uh, so, where do you go from here? Are, are there any um, options for you that the UFC has offered uh, at this point of the game? Are there, there any fighters that you think uh, would be a, a nice matchup? And when are you looking to get back into the octagon? Yeah, we haven't really discussed that yet. Um, we haven't even really kind of looked at or thought about or discussed a date or an opponent yet. Um, you know, I want another top 10 guy. I'll say that. Um, obviously, I don't think that loss is an indication that I don't belong in the top 10. I think it's one of those things that happen. I want to absolutely state this. I am not saying that, I oh, I got caught or Kevin Lee got lucky. There was absolutely nothing lucky about what he did. I will give him all the credit in the world. It was a perfectly placed, perfectly timed, perfectly executed kick. And that's like what every fighter hopes they could do during a fight. And I mean, it probably, you know, I've watched it several times. It couldn't have gone better for him. It was absolutely spot on as far as distance, timing, power, uh, and, yeah. you know, positioning. It was, it was perfect. There was nothing lucky for him and there was nothing unlucky for me it was one of those things that can just happen uh, again i'll go back to that previous question you asked if there's something i would have done differently i mean yeah kept my right hand up you know but that's yeah. super easy to say and it's harder to do after you got hit with the right hand you know keep your right hand up you know well yeah of course it's easy to say when you know the result but uh right. you know yeah i don't know i mean as far as an opponent or anything like that goes yeah i'm not sure I, a top 10 guy again uh I feel like I really got to get back in there and uh, redeem myself sometime this spring. You know, I'm on a, I think, you know, as far as I know at this point, I'm still on medical suspension. So I'm sure they want me to wait a little bit as far as that goes. Just, you know, I was out cold for a minute or two. So I think some rest is, you know, what they prefer. Lightweight contender Gregor Gillespie with us here on the Anakin Florian podcast. So your Wikipedia page says at one point you mm-hmm. vowed that you were never going to fight. Is that true? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So I remember, and I mean, I think you guys might be aware of this, but anyone who's listening who isn't aware of this, there was a point in my life where I was on a pretty destructive path and uh, it was post wrestling in college and I was, you know, partying way too much and I developed a drug and alcohol problem and I ended up in uh, 2010, I ended up in a rehab and thank God it stuck. I've been clean and sober since. But uh, at that point, I actually remember I was sitting with an old friend of mine in the living room of my ex-girlfriend watching a Frankie Edgar fight. I believe it was Frankie Edgar. And he goes, you should do this, man. You'd be so good at this. And at that point, I'd just finished, you know, my wrestling career. And I I literally felt like I just got out of prison. You know, that's what I felt like. Cause at the time, I I was a kid. I was immature. I loved partying. I loved chasing girls and, you know, the things yeah. college kids like to do that typically aren't athletes. And uh, I was really kind of into that lifestyle. And, I, you know, I have an addictive personality. I went too far. Um, and I remember telling my friend, man, shut the fuck up. I don't want to fight. I never want to compete again. I just got done with this prison sentence over the last right. four or five years in college wrestling. Um, and I literally said, I'm never going to compete again. Stop pestering me. I'm going to leave, man. I don't want to fight. I have no interest in even competing anymore. So yeah, at that point, that that was a very true statement. Incredible. So, all right. So 2006, you become the first Edinburgh freshman, uh, a true freshman to be an All-American, I believe. You finished seventh overall. Then the following year as a sophomore in 07, you win the national title. What, what is your lasting memory about that NCAA tournament championship win in 07? Oh, man. I mean, some people have asked me, like, you know, what was that? Well, some people, a lot of people have asked me what that was like. And it's an indescribable feeling, um, I would imagine. I would, I would equate it to something similar to winning a UFC belt. Um, but in... 
my heart of hearts, man, I, I have a tough time believing that, you know, if or when or however you want to think of it, that I win the belt in the UFC. It's going to be tough to match the feeling I had in 07 when I won the national title. That was my first sport. It was a sport that my dad got me into, and I have a very close relationship with him. Uh, he got me into it. I loved winning and seeing how happy it made him. That was something that, you know, the people that I love, I love watching them uh, be proud or happy or uh, pleased at my accomplishments, and I've never seen my dad so happy. Uh, I think my dad's not a big hugger. He's not a big, uh, you know, show of emotions kind of guy, and it was like one of the few times I can remember I got like a really big hug from my dad. It was it was super nice, and, I'm, you know, that was, that was my lasting memory of that is I got a giant hug from my dad, and that's not to say my dad wasn't in love. He showed his love in other ways, but uh, that was something that, I, that well, I'll take away from that and never forget. Um, but what an indescribable feeling in a run. Like, I beat the uh, 12 seed, the 4 seed, the 1 seed, and the 3 seed. I had 4 seed wow. opponents in a row. I took out two of the guys who were supposed to win. Uh, so it was just, man, it was, the stars lined up, and that weekend just all came together, man. It was something really special. I know you hate when I trot out this this quote from your former wrestling coach, Tim Tim Flynn, but Ken Flynn says, when it's game time, he's never had anyone raise their game more. Yeah. And when you think of all the wrestlers who have gone through there under his nose, the fact that Gregor was the guy, uh, and that doesn't speak to your trading habits, right? It doesn't speak to that necessarily. It just means that when the lights come yeah. on, you're just a bad motherfucker and, and, and always were, even when you were younger, you know? Yeah, so I'll elaborate a little on that. So my training now is quite a bit different than it was in college, unfortunately. And I try to tell the guys that are younger than me or guys that I might be helping out, even wrestlers that I work with, like, do as I say, not as I did. Because when I was in high school and college, <laughs> I was I always used this uh, like analogy. I was dealt a good hand. So I was, like, super naturally gifted and talented, like, light years ahead of most guys. And the stuff I could get away with was absolutely ridiculous as far as, like, not sleeping, not training hard, losing weight the wrong way all the things you shouldn't do i did uh you know drinking during the season and you know let's stay up to all those things eating macaroni and cheese instead of like chicken and broccoli you know i was doing all the wrong stuff and i still just somehow was you know i was the best guy in the country one year and um you know i when i was younger i didn't train as hard as i do like not even close to as hard as i do now right. i remember some of the guys that were a little older on the team they fucking hated me they're like how the fuck is this guy ever going to make it? i can't believe it. i remember one guy was like coach Flynn, i can't believe you gave him a scholarship he's horrible and this was before <laughs> our first tournament of the year and i went out and i smoked the guy in the wrestle off for the the starting spot i went out and i won my first three or four college tournaments i was the uh, most outstanding wrestler at a big tournament i won the las vegas invite and then you watch me in practice and I'd be getting like murdered by the third string guy so uh, I've always been I call it a gamer I'm a gamer you know when it's yeah, time to go no there's just a, a feeling that you can't replicate in practice and that's not to say I don't work a lot hard I work really hard now and I try to make practice as important as the fight so um, I've matured quite a bit in that way and I think a lot of that has to do with me kind of cleaning up my lifestyle as far as you know I'm not partying and such anymore so it seems like you got like at least some nieces, maybe some nephews, but no children of your own as yet. Is that yeah. accurate? All right. So those girls, the little girls that are on my Instagram all the time, that's Brooklyn, Lena, and Francesca. They're not my blood nieces, but they're one of my best okay. friends, Manny. Uh, my, one of my best friends is Manny. He's the one that always brings me into my fights uh, the week of fight week. He either comes with me if we're flying or he drives me in if it's local. Uh, those are his daughters. and. They're my family. They're not my, my blood relatives, but they're my family, and I love those girls more than anything. And you can see by those videos, they bring a lot of, a lot of joy yeah. to, to my life. 
See, you don't need children of your own, Gregor, right? I mean, you don't need kids of your own. <laughs> and you I can't go out and fish. I mean, you're not own. fishing I, um, today. I, you know, I, that's one of those things that uh, it's. I've kind of been pushing off. If you know, I don't have a, even have a girlfriend at this point. I, uh, you know, I was dating a girl last year, and uh, it was like, it was really nice. We ended up, we went separate ways, so I'm not even involved with anyone right now. So it's hard to imagine me having kids. Uh, that's something that I, I would imagine that I would enjoy doing someday. But you know, the clock is ticking here, so I don't know if that will happen. If not, I have some really good people in my life that I have good relationships with their kids, so that might have to suffice. You got guy, plenty of guy, time, kid. Guy, guy turned thirty-three <laughs> two weeks ago. Yeah, he's got plenty of time. And All of right, you I'm guys si- make me feel a little better about it. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, we are you we are ancient. I'm sitting here doing a podcast, holding a baby monitor, uh, as our video <laughs> viewers awesome. can see it. And you, awesome. you're on a boat, so uh, I, I want your problems. But hey, we appreciate the time, <laughs> man. You know, obviously, your your five fight finishing streak is not all that distant a memory and uh sure. we look forward to the bounce back in the spring my man and uh we appreciate your time and look forward to seeing you down Absolutely. the line in a few months kid i will see you guys sometime in the spring i'm sure all Thanks, right there gregor. it is the great gregor gillespie with us here on the anakin florian podcast so i kind of shortchanged a little bit on israel adesanya there earlier but yeah i think it's romero right i mean i think that that's the fight that's the fight that I think has the steam with the athlete, and I think that's the fight that probably is going to be made. Still no official word on Conor McGregor. January 18th is the date, so if it's Conor, I guess it'll be Vegas. I mean, I got a healthy appetite to see him return. I think it's great that other superstars have emerged in his absence, but uh, I'm excited to see the guy back. I think what's an interesting wrinkle to this, Ken Flo, is there are other athletes on this fight card. Chaz Skelly, I think, fight Grant Dawson and others. Yeah. They don't know if they're they don't know the city, you know, they don't know exactly what's going on. I mean, not that it's not anything they can't overcome, but the clock is ticking. You know, we're seven weeks out or so. You know. Absolutely. And and listen, I for me, I would love to see I mean there's there's a bunch of guys that I would love to see with Conor McGregor. Um, but uh, obviously there's Dustin Poirier. They've been going back and forth. There's the Justin Gaethje fight. Um, and of course there's the Donald Cerrone fight. All of those things have been uh, talked about as possible options. I think the most exciting one, yet the most dangerous one for Connor, is Justin Gaethje. Um, I, I think one that would probably bring in the most amount of fans would be um, his fight against uh, Cowboy Cerrone. Uh, and I think a fight that would be very interesting, may- perhaps the most interesting one and the more technical fight would be the one against Dustin Poirier. Uh, and, you know, obviously that's a re- that would be a rematch. Uh, a lot of things have changed since they first competed against each other back at 145 pounds. Um, I think it would be a much tougher fight for Conor McGregor. But uh, all of those fights are, are, are very intriguing for me. All right, the great Ian Parker here in 60 seconds. First, though, past, present, and future MyBookie players during Thanksgiving week. Right now, MyBookie offering a risk-free bet on the Bears-Lions game. Simply choose a team against the spread for up to 250 bucks. If you win, great extra holiday spending money. If you lose... Not a big deal. My bookie is going to give you all your money back. It's a no-brainer because you literally cannot lose. It is no risk, all gravy. Doesn't matter whether you're an experienced player or a first-time customer. My bookie welcomes everyone to come play. So 
So sign up today. If you find yourself wanting to bet on sports too, but you have a lot of questions, uh, you can certainly reach out to me or at Parker Cage Hero. But my bookie also has a patient customer service team that can walk you through the process. And the best part is if you do join this week, Thanksgiving week, you'll still have one last shot to take advantage of their incredible sign-up offer. You go to mybookie.ag, make your first deposit, the promo code, one word, Anik Florian and my bookie will match your deposit dollar for dollar to jumpstart your bankroll. That is, of course, on top of the risk-free bet. So I'll repeat it for you. A guaranteed deposit match with that promo code Anik Florian and a risk-free bet for Thanksgiving only. If you're a true football fan, I don't know why you would not take advantage of this opportunity. Hop on the gravy train. Get in on the action with my bookie. Mybookie.ag, promo code Anik Florian. You play, you win, you get paid. All right, so former MMA manager Ian Parker now joins us. So we're talking about Conor McGregor a little bit before you came on, and and there are variables here. January 18th is a date that is being held. It's about seven weeks away. What do you think the feasibility or the reality of Conor McGregor fighting in seven weeks is? I mean, do you need time to promote, or with Conor, can it come together five weeks out and have it be okay? Well, I think because, well, first off, hey, guys. Um, (laughs) Hey, buddy. You know, hey, man, hey, guys, hey, friends. Um, I think because of Connor and because they've already talked about this date, I I think it is doable. You know, I don't really think there's going to be too much of an issue promoting it. I think any of the names you guys threw out there, I I was able to catch the end part when Kenny mentioned Justin Gaethje. I really don't think Connor's going to take that fight, although that would be a win-win for the UFC because if he absolutely destroys Connor, then Justin can become a megastar in the making, set up for that title fight, whether it's Tony or Habib that wins. There's another name I want to throw out there. Um, I think Nick Diaz is someone that also would be kind of interesting because Nate won't be cleared, and I just read that Nick mentioned that he's fighting really soon. That would be a crazy sellable fight because um, I just don't see him fighting Masvidal anytime soon. But, yeah, to answer your original question, I think if you announce Connor versus anybody five weeks out, it's more than enough time for promoting because of who he is. So I know the MMA team at ESPN put together a list of opponents. I think Donald Cerrone and Justin Gaethje were on there. The winner of Kamara Usman and Colby Covington. I think that's a real long shot at this point. Jorge Masvidal, Khabib Nurmagomedov, Tony Ferguson, Nate and Nick Diaz both. Ian, what do you think is the most realistic fight? Compare, I mean, not what your dream sequence is with a Justin Gaethje fight, but I mean, do you think the Cerrone fight at this point, seven weeks out, is the most realistic? Yeah, I would, I would have to, I couldn't really see anyone else coming in out of nowhere based on being cleared health-wise. They've already talked about this. We'd, like we just discussed, it would pretty much self-promote itself. Um, you know, unless there's been a surprise that Dana's been holding out on and that Connor has been able to keep quiet and there's another opponent we don't, we don't know of. Yeah, I, I don't really see, it doesn't seem like Dana really wants Connor fighting at 170 either. If Masvidal's too big, that Usman and Colby Covington are going to be way too big. You know, unless the only reason why that fight with Nate Diaz was at 170 because you essentially had two 55ers who just didn't feel like cutting weight. They didn't care. That's the only reason why Connor fights at 70, which he really shouldn't. He was tiny for that weight class. So I do think if they do get this done, unless there's an injury to Cowboy Cerrone we're unaware of, I think it's got to be Cowboy. You know, and I think yeah. that makes the most sense for Connor right now. Kenful, uh, Floyd Mayweather hanging out with Dana White courtside Celtics Clippers since we were last on the air Floyd Mayweather on Instagram Dana and White and I are working together again to bring the world another spectacular event in 2020 
I mean, Ken Flo's got boots on the ground in Los Angeles, much more pop culturally inclined than the other host of this podcast. <laughs> I mean, you got any theories? What can you tell me about Floyd Mayweather and Dana White hanging out over the weekend? Man, you know, well, obviously, listen, I, I don't see him fighting a, a, in a mixed martial arts fight. I, I just don't see it. I think Let's Floyd, get that out of the way. Yeah, right? Floyd's way too smart. He's not going to go undefeated for, for his whole career. And, and, and spend so much time in the boxing ring to go out and, and lose in a mixed martial arts fight, okay? Because, you know, the, the number 50 guy at 145 pounds could probably beat Floyd Mayweather if he just takes him down, right? So but let, let's take that out of the equation, all right? Um, I, I think it's one of two scenarios. The first scenario, obviously, is the rematch against Conor McGregor, uh, them doing some kind of boxing fight yet again. Or it's the guy who beat Conor McGregor, right? It's a Habib Nurmagomedov fight. Some kind of boxing match. And, again, for Habib, I think at this point, if again, you, you go, would you like $100 million to, to compete in a boxing fight against Floyd Mayweather? Um, I, I think any mixed martial arts fighter would take it in an instant, especially if you're a large 155-pounder um, who could take some shots uh, against a much smaller guy in Floyd Mayweather. Um, and, you know, he hangs in there for, let's say, eight rounds or he goes the distance. That's a win. And his bank account would consider that a, a, a very big win as well. So I think that's probably the direction they're heading is a Habib Nurmagomedov, Floyd Mayweather uh, boxing fight in 2020. But who knows? Uh, again, I, I was surprised. It's one thing to take a picture and have Floyd and Dana White hanging out. But then taking that picture and then teasing something that something's sure. actually going to happen, right. that to me was a little bit different. I don't think they would make that kind of announcement, both Dana and Floyd, if they didn't have something signed or almost signed. Ian, what do you think? Oh, well, I did read that one of them, one of the fights he wants to do is Manny Pacquiao. I saw him mention that. I just, man, if, if he is to jump, I know this is going to be crazy, and I, I think I've mentioned this to John to before, and Kenny, maybe you'll get a kick out of this. I always actually thought that if he were to jump in the cage, I think his, uh, you know, his best chance at an MMA fight would be against someone like Conor McGregor because I just think it would be a, a boxing fight with MMA gloves. You know, Conor's not known for his offensive wrestling or his jiu-jitsu, so I don't really know if how much of a threat Conor would be. It almost would be like taking that fight from the ring and putting it in the cage. Now, I agree with you. It seems like Habib is someone that's name has been floating around. However, if I were to have my choice in a boxing fight, I would like to see Floyd Mayweather in a boxing match against Nate Diaz. I think Nate it was the better boxer um, out of some of the fighters in the U.S. Like true actual boxing, you know, from what I've read and what I heard, he does well against pro boxers and sparring. You know, I just can't really see Floyd. I, he's got to do something really dramatic here. I mean, I think he's got more to lose. I guess he needs the money, which sounds crazy too, because you know you're going down as one of the best boxers of all time, if not the best defensive boxer of all time. Why risk it on a non-pro boxer, you know, unless you're guaranteed to win? It's kind of weird, man. I, I'm curious to see where this really goes. And to both your points, you don't just make that announcement unless you got something signed. Well, yeah, and, and I would say this in regards to the Connor fight. If they do the fight, and even if they say, all right, you know, Connor, we're going to do basically a stand-up fight, stand-up only in the octagon. I, I think Connor knocks I, I think Connor knocks out Floyd with a kick. I, listen, I, I think he takes his head off with a kick. That, that's what I think would happen. Um, boxing is a very different range than uh, kickboxing, mixed martial arts. Um, j again, it would take him a very long time to be able to deal with kicks. And 
I, I don't think Connor would just oblige and, and try to box Floyd Mayweather with four ounce gloves. Very interesting. I, I really have an appetite for Mayweather and Nate Diaz in a boxing setting. So hopefully that there's some legs to what you're talking about there, Ian. So uh, we talked about John Jones and Dominic Reyes. Big title fight, obviously, Houston, Texas. Big market. Very exciting fight coming up. At, I guess it'll be UFC 246 or maybe UFC 247. No betting line as yet, Ian Parker. To what extent do you think Dominic Reyes is a real threat here to Johnny Bones? You know what? Um, oh, man, I, I don't uh, – it, it's hard. Jo- Jones is, I mean, outside of his legal troubles and the drug stuff – He's just been so dominant for so long, and he's still so young. And he doesn't seem like he's slowing down. He seems like he's getting better, and his game's evolving. He's becoming more patient. Um, maybe his actual patience was not the best thing against Thiago Santos, where he almost blew it. But Dominic Reyes definitely does possess a threat here. He's, I mean, his athleticism at this size, you don't see that very often. It seems like he's got it all put together, even though he's still very young in his career. All the tests you put in front of him outside of, um, you know, Volkan Uzdemir, where that was controversial, he's dominated all the other fights. So I've, I've said to everybody, the one thing Jones struggled with against Alexander Gustafson in the first fight was the reach. And now you have someone with reach, and you have someone who moves to maybe match him in strength and speed. I think that he better not take Dominic Reyes lightly, because this, this guy also, he just got that young gun, young warrior mentality that he's on cloud nine. His confidence is through the roof, and... Sometimes when you have nothing to be afraid of, that's when it's, you know, the scariest. It's like when they have a veteran pitcher on the mound and the team throws in a rookie to go to bat. It's because they're not afraid. They want the glory. And that's what Dominic Reyes is looking at. I think he has the tools. It's hard to bet against John Jones until someone comes in and actually does it. But, yeah, I do think Reyes poses a threat. Absolutely. Yeah, I, mean, I think he's got a kicking game that could change the complexion of the fight if he's able to land and uh, establish rhythm. Uh, there's a huge championship experience discrepancy, which you'd never uh, like to be on the wrong end of when you think about John Jones having six or seven UFC title fights before Reyes even made a pro debut. Uh, but I think Dominic Reyes is in his fighting prime, if not approaching it. And uh, I don't know. Just just excited to see what, what the undefeated, you know, one-time NFL hopeful can do with the opportunity on February 8th in Houston. All right, possible strawweight title matchup between Zhang Wei Li and Joanna Yim Jacek. I can't even bring this fight up, Ken Flo, without smiling. You know, it's just when there's heat, when there's legitimate heat or even manufactured heat, because I think in this case, maybe it's just the two women building the fight a little bit, but they both have dug in on social media. Dana White's obviously getting behind it. Uh, who do you think is the betting favorite between Zhang Wei Li and Joanna Yeon Jacek? Ken Flo. Uh, I think it's interesting. This is the, the two most difficult names in the UFC or two of the more difficult names in the UFC going at each other. Uh, for me anyway, um, yeah. listen, I, th- I think you um, would be the favorite heading into that. Uh, I think that, um, you know, I, I don't see it being a huge takedown threat for her. I, I, I give her a chance on the feet against anyone out there. Um, I, I think this is her chance to get a belt uh, again in the UFC and, um, I thought she looked very solid uh, in her last performance, despite that injury that she had to deal with. She's as tough as they come, um, and I think now that she has this shot at a belt, I think she's going to be extremely motivated, going to train very hard for it, and um, I-, I think it's a perfect scenario for her, man. I-, I think she would she would definitely be the favorite heading into this one. Ian, I'd imagine you've given this some thought as to who would open as the betting favorite. I think it'll be close, despite... 
how much time I spend looking at odds. I'm not always great at forecasting what these odds are going to be. I do think that Zhang Wei Li as the champion, given her winning streak, is going to get some consideration maybe as a favorite, but wouldn't be surprised if the more public name, Joanna, opened as a slight favorite. Uh, Ian Parker, I'll defer to your expert opinion. What do you think? Thank you. Um, yeah, I, I don't think Kenny's wrong here. It's it's so hard. This one's really hard because the current champ knocked out Andrade, you know, pretty quickly, and no one really, I mean, I definitely didn't expect that. But the people that are going to tell me that they knew it the whole time, you're fucking liars, but good for you anyway. Um, you know, oh, I want to say Yolanda might be Don't call the listeners liars. Or, I'm sorry? I'm just kidding. I said don't call the listeners oh, I, liars. No, no, no. I was, I mean, it was, it was a joking, playful liar, but it's okay. I know. Um, they will call me something 10 times worse regardless. It, it's fine. And then they'll want me and TJ to fight again. So it's okay. We'll set that up. But, uh, huh. I think Joanna, I think Joanna will probably be around minus 125, minus 135 to open just because of her dominant victory. She looked amazing. First time back in the weight class in a little while to Kenny's point while battling an injury, especially after all the weight cut nonsense that came into play. Um, and she's a popular name. She's and I, but I, I actually do like her in this fight. I'll even go out on the limit tennis. I, I'm, it's nothing against the current champ, but Joanna in a striking battle. I, I don't ever put anyone against her. I think her takedown defense has gotten way better. You know, the path to victory against Joanna is putting her on her back and holding her there. And the current champ has the strength and the capability to do it. It's just hard to bet against Joanna when she looked the way she did against Michelle Waterson. And if she, listen, either. It'd be crazy if any one of these two fighters are plus 150 or more because the value will be on either one as an underdog as long as they're in the plus right. category, 100%. Yeah, I hear that. All right, 19 days out, UFC 245. Max Holloway, Alexander Volkanovsky, care to tell our listeners uh, where your action already is, right? Didn't you get a pretty good price on, on a fight that you like? I did. I love Max Holloway at minus 175, so I placed a pretty heavy wager on Max. Um this reminds me of the fight against Ortega where people were looking at Max because of the illness or whatever was going on with him before that fight where he pulled out. And then, you know, after losing to Dustin and then beating Frankie, I still think people are, are looking for a reason for whatever, for whatever reason for someone to dethrone him. And Kenny, did, Kenny gave a really, really good breakdown when we spoke last week, how, you know, kind of reminds him of Frankie a little bit, you know, with the wrestling pedigree. And it just, it seems like the same statures, I just cannot bet against Max Holloway at this weight class, you know, for in a five-round fight when he's the better striker. His cardio, I think, will be better. His takedown defense is awesome, and he just doesn't stop. And the championship experience, to your point, John, what you just mentioned in the last fight, um, with Dominic Reyes one, that makes a huge difference here. And in my opinion, in the last couple of fights Volkanowski has won, he, he had to come from behind. Chad Mendez was beating him significantly, and then he just gassed out, and that's how he won. Um, Max Holloway will not gas out. Ever. So for all you listeners out there that do like my picks, like my bets, I'm telling you right now, um, this is like my Wonder Boy play, the line of credit. I love Max Holloway in this fight. I have no yeah. no doubts, anything about it. Yeah, Ian Parker won't stop texting me about this Max Holloway price. I think he has more money on this fight than I have probably put down in the last five years combined, to be honest with our listeners. I mean, we with full transparency, you know, why lie to the listeners, Ian, right? I mean... <laughs> No, listen, I, I look, I, I text you, I'm pretty open with you, just sometimes, you know, I mean, if you want to tell people what I what I said, that that's up to you, I just, I just don't feel like... No, I think we could stop it down there, I think we've given them... 
<laughs> did you uh well we, we hope you have a happy Thanksgiving, my man. We appreciate your contributions. Did you did you know it was TJ's birthday today or is that lost on you too? <laughs> I did have not been well <laughs> No, I did not know it was TJ's birthday. I finally, birthday. finally, finally gonna, at a loss for words, this fucking guy. I was going to say, I didn't go on Facebook yet, but I don't know if we're friends on Facebook for even a reminder there. Nope. I don't think Kenny follows me on social media, so I don't know his birthday either. Um, <laughs> so I'll wait for that. I'll text Kenny my birthday. But uh, TJ, I wish you a happy birthday. Um, many more. Happy and healthy. Guys, I love this show. I always appreciate the opportunity to be on. And uh, yeah, John, if you want any extra food, you want to come by on Thursday, um, I'm I'm buying stuff. I don't I don't cook, so you know that means it'll be good. Yeah, that means I'm coming over. Hey, Ken Flo, by the way, changed his cell phone number. Ian, did you get the text of the new one, or did you not get that? <laughs> I'll, uh, you, you know what? I think I'm coming out to LA next month. I'll just have to look him up and show him at the door and ask for his number in person. No big deal. You should check should. the yellow pages. Yeah, yeah. yeah. He's it, in. Uh, I think Kenneth? he's in Santa Monica, kid. Yeah. Maybe Malibu kid. All right. And, uh, <laughs> hey, happy Thanksgiving, buddy. Have a uh, have a great week. All right. See you. All right. You guys too, man. Take care, guys. There he is, Ian Parker, every week here on the Anakin Florian podcast. I'm not going to his house, though, on Thanksgiving Day, TJ. Don't worry, TJ. I'm going to cheat on you. Show up at the Parker residence on Thanksgiving Day. You know, I'm well, still yeah. not sold on the wife, Wendy, anyway, right? I'm sure he's got going to pick up the fucking kid today. So what's that, TJ? I was just going to say you're not that stupid to go hang out with Ian, like, on purpose. So. It's a little bit of a Disney World thing, right? You got to be real careful with your recreational time and how you spend it. Right. You, know? you want to maximize that. No, I love Ian Parker. I'm just messing around. All right. Well, it is TJ's birthday, so he's got to get out of here. So I think we're going to stop it down there. Thanks to Gregor Gillespie, of course, Ray Longo, Ian Parker. If you are new to the show just because of the YouTube channel, we thank you for that. There are also over 200 episodes in the can over the last four years or so on iTunes and other places if you want to dig into that. Next week, we return to live picks and live wagering. Seven predictions from Ken Flo and Ian Parker for the UFC Fight Night Overeem versus Rosenstrike card. That is December 7th uh, from our nation's capital, Washington, D.C. With that, for Ken Flo, John Annex saying thank you all for listening. We'll talk to you in less than a week. Until then, if you're driving, don't text and drive. You'll live. Sports betting is sweeping across the country faster than the coronavirus, and wagering week is your antidote. I'm Tom Martin, and I'm a veteran sports analyst and respected sports handicapper who helped build ESPN's brand. I've been recognized and awarded by Pro Football Weekly and Gaming Today magazine as the honest handicapper. Let the other guys give you the same old boring sports talk with the same tired storylines. We'll give it to you straight here every Friday on Wagering Week. Don't gamble with other podcasts. Let Sports Garden Network's Wagering Week help your bottom line. I'm Royal Oaks. Next time on Too Many Lawyers, we take on a couple of villains to sort out whether bad stuff is also illegal stuff. George Santos won a seat in Congress by lying to voters, but is that a crime? And Kanye West made it clear he hates Jews. In England, he'd go to jail for that. Here in America, did he commit a hate crime? Listen to Too Many Lawyers on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Now's a good time to remember where the story of tequila started. In 1795, the first tequila distillery was opened by the Cuervo family. And 229 years later, Cuervo is still going strong. Family owned from the start. Same family, same land. 
Now's a good time to enjoy Cuervo, the tequila that invented tequila. Go to Cuervo.com to shop tequila or visit a store near you. Cuervo, now's a good time. Trademarks owned by Beckless AB to CV 2024, Proximo, Jersey City, New Jersey. Please drink responsibly.